first three chief parts of the Catechism, we looked at the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. In some ways, these provide the worldview of a Christian, the art of living by faith, with the Ten Commandments identifying our need for faith, the Creed providing us with a gift of faith by illuminating and proclaiming all the gifts that God provides us, and the Lord's Prayer, the battle cry of faith. Now we move to that section of the Catechism that deals with the nourishment of faith, particularly within the community of the church. And Luther begins here with the topic of baptism. Bob, can you say something about the historical circumstances and the reasons why Luther included uh, baptism in the Catechism? I think there are really uh, two sides to the historical background of this uh, part of the Catechism. Um, and before we look at those two opposing um, positions that he was guarding against, um, we might be reminded that in, in some of the later medieval catechisms, uh, the children were supposed to learn a list of sacraments. The sacramental life of the church was very important in the late Middle Ages. There wasn't much preaching. Um, and, and so the, the conveyor of grace was the sacraments. Uh, the, above all, the sacrament of, of penance. And so uh, it, it was an important part of the piety of the people of the late Middle Ages. And, and Luther did acknowledge, uh, on the one hand, that the medieval church had not been able to do much damage to baptism uh, in his critique of medieval piety. Uh, and so it tried to persuade the people just to leave it behind. Uh, Baptism is the, is the entryway into uh, life eternal, uh, but once it's uh, done, then you have to find another plank to hang on to in the midst of the struggle against sin, and so you hang on uh, to the sacrament of penance. Uh, so on the, on the side of the traditional church, there was um, not a very sharp criticism of the doctrinal position or the, the explanation of baptism, but more of the practice uh, that had let baptism disappear from the consciousness uh, of the people as they, as they worked their way uh, through life. The other pole of opposition that Luther took very seriously in 1528-1529 uh, came from protest groups that had begun to uh, rise up at that period, uh, specifically in 1528 in Saxony, a little bit earlier in other German-speaking areas, uh, this uh, cry of protest came out of no organized group, um, but nonetheless a long tradition of groups that would rise up and die out. They were uh, groups that uh, that came out of a particular uh, or a several particularly particular milieus uh, of the Middle Ages, uh, particularly people that that had made some changes in their lives, uh, like moving from the countryside to the city to become weavers or or uh, some other occupation in town. Uh, they they followed a certain pattern that has five characteristics. Uh, the first is that they were biblicistic in the sense that they wanted the Bible and not what the priest said, not what the church taught, not the tradition. They wanted to go with the Bible alone. <clears throat> but secondly, they read the Bible uh, 
as basically demanding a moral, ethical life. They did not usually understand justification by faith. But they, they rejected salvation by ritual good works. They didn't want uh, to uh, have to do uh, things that simply uh, pleased and served the interests of the priests. Uh, they wanted to go uh, before the throne of God with their good works toward their neighbors. Many of these groups, thirdly, were um, millennialistic. They uh, expected liberation from God. Often they expected that God would use them for that liberation. Fourthly, they were against their priests. They were anti-clerical. They felt oppressed and misled and, and deceived by their priests. And so they often opposed the key uh, instrument that the priests had to hold power over the people, the sacraments. And so sometimes these groups would, um, would rush forward during the Mass and take the host and trample on it to, to prove that Christ's body wasn't really there. And so they often rejected infant baptism as merely a ritual. And so it was against the protests of these kinds of groups uh, that Luther um, thought it particularly urgent to preach on baptism at this time and then to make sure that, that basic instruction in, um, in about baptism uh, came into the uh, catechism. So I take it that the theological accents in Luther's small catechism really take into account those groups perhaps more so than, uh, say, the Roman Catholic theology of the early 1520s. Uh, you know, I suppose he was dealing with them in a slightly different way than he was dealing with these groups in the latter 1520s. I think that's true. Um, his, I suppose his fundamental uh, theological concern behind his treatment of baptism, confession, and absolution, and the Lord's Supper, is his, his uh, somewhat revolutionary understanding of the Word of God as the instrument by which God uh, comes to a sinner, uh, draws the sinner's attention away from false gods, uh, draws uh, the uh, sinner's attention to God, and creates trust uh, in God. And I don't know why Luther didn't talk about preaching here. He probably didn't talk about Bible reading because so very few people could actually uh, read scripture. Um, but he talks about three forms of the word, two sacramental forms and one oral form, uh, or some would actually count confession and absolution uh, among Luther's lists of sacraments. He's not completely clear uh, on that. But what we have in this section uh, is the use of the Word of God in the daily lives of Christians. And, and so what Luther is doing is, is making it clear here that God works in our lives through his Word, that the Gospel, uh, as a, a word that God wants to speak to us, Luther's idea of God as a God of conversation and community, God is speaking to us, and he speaks first to us, Luther says, uh, in his cultural situation for sure, for nearly everyone, he speaks first to us um, through the word of baptism. And that was a message that, that the old faith may have obscured with its emphasis on ritual, but at least had some sense of. But it was a concept that these uh, Anabaptists, as they were called, these protest groups, 
um, rejected because they uh, wanted to separate uh, God, who is spirit, from anything in the material world. They wanted to get away from the kind of medieval piety that had placed the power of God in material things. Luther then arranges his uh, teaching on baptism for questions. Yes, and um, I think it's a, a kind of natural way that you would uh, teach anything. Uh, you start out by asking, well, what is it really? And then, well, um, what does it do? And then how is that possible? Those are, those are natural kinds of questions that uh, children might ask. And so in a sense, I think uh, his text just puts into the uh, voice of, of the catechism the natural questions of children. So the first question he then deals with is, uh, what is baptism or what is the nature of baptism? Yes, and actually, um, as a professor, he was used to, as a scholastic theologian, asking that question, what is it also? Uh, so in a sense, it's high theology and, and very uh, common, ordinary theology. Um, and I think he's addressing one of the complaints of the protest groups, the Anabaptists. They said, well, what good's a handful of water? And so Luther simply says, what's baptism? Well, it's not just water. It's not mere plain water. It's water enclosed or, or put in the setting of, like a, a jewel in the setting of a ring. It's water enclosed in God's command. It's water that's, that's connected to, that's nailed fast to the, the word of the Lord that brings the promise of salvation. And then, of course, Luther... Um, in uh, treating the, the sacraments uh, goes on to immediately to cite a Bible verse, in this case, Matthew 28. And it's important, I think, to notice that uh, we'll have the same parallel uh, when we get to the Lord's Supper. Um, the first question, what is it? The second question, what's it good for? And the third, sort of a, how is that possible? How does he then define baptism? Well, baptism is, first of all, uh, and most importantly for him, the action of God. And what does it do for us? It forgives sins, and it gives life and salvation. Uh, he uses Mark 16, which talks about salvation in connection with baptism. And, and his fundamental point is, um, although he doesn't use these words, uh, this is new birth. This is new life. This is the gift of the... Uh, of the birth from above, as our Lord said to Nicodemus in John 3, that new birth that sets us on a new path, gives us a new identity, creates us anew uh, through uh, the death and resurrection of Christ. It seems to me, Bob, when I read the small catechism that there is a very close relationship between his answers to the question, uh, what does baptism do for us and how is this possible? Yes, I think that's true. Um, in a sense, that third question goes back to the first and the second and, and brings them together and carries them a little bit further, though. Um, how can water do such great things? Not the water that does it. That's a reminder from his first point. And then the second ties this word of God that gives forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation with the faith that receives it. Uh, Luther contends that, uh, that uh, children have faith. And by that, he didn't try to suggest uh, a psychological profile for that faith. But what he meant is that the, the relationship that our God, conversing with us, um, wants to have with us is a relationship in which when he talks, we trust. 
And, and that's what Luther means by faith. We can't describe psychologically the faith of infants, but we do confess that that relationship is there because the God who creates and, and recreates, creates anew through his word, has established this relationship with us. And so on the basis of Titus chapter 3, uh, through the bath of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, um, God has established us as his children in, in Christ Jesus. That's what Luther thinks is the heart, key, soul uh, of God's baptismal action toward us. So in these first three questions, Luther provides us in broad strokes or outline the basic features of baptism. In our next segment, we'll look at the significance or the importance of baptism for the daily life of the Christian.